Annie Grimes. We are going to present to your edification a story about voodooism. Or should I have said, not edification, but mystification. For no one knows how voodooism works, why it works, or even if it works. It belongs to the misty, uncertain world of the supernatural. That is a world few of us have visited. Or should I have said, none of us. Jebba. Jebba. You calling, Doctor? What are you doing here in the dead of night? I, you wait for the white hunter, sir. What for? We make walk in the forest for the elephant. Elephants at midnight? That's impossible. No, no, not impossible. They walk the forest at midnight. Elephants do? Elephant ghosts, they walk at midnight. <laughs> Mystery drama, Death at a Distance, was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Elspeth Eric and stars Norman Rose. I'll be back shortly with Act One. Voodooism is a religion. At least it started as a religion. So perhaps today most would call it a cult with religious overtones. Offensive as it may be to members of the more established religion, voodooism started in Africa centuries ago, and its traces linger to this very day. Its strength lies entirely in the faith of its believers. Can any religion, new or old, say more? My name is John Best. I'm an old man now, but hardly a day passes that I don't think, however fleetingly, of the time long past that I spent in West Africa. I'd worked my way through medical school by dint of hard work and intense application, and at 24, I was entitled to call myself a doctor. Being without family or close friends and without a farthing to my name, it was imperative that I find a paying job. Colonialism had not yet acquired its unsavory reputation. And when the Crown offered me a position as resident doctor in a remote West African country, I accepted. I found there a smattering of my countrymen, among them one Josiah Moody, who had risen to the post of chief magistrate, to whom fell the task of administering justice among the natives. It soon became my habit to visit Judge Moody regularly. Come in, doctor, come in. You're just in time for tea. I thought I might be. <laughs> Unless you'd rather have something else. No, no, no. Tea's fine. <laughs> good, good. Well, Jebba has everything laid out in the library. I've taught her to make something very like scones. Of course, uh, she won't even taste them herself, but uh, I find them acceptable. <laughs> <laughs> well, sit down, sit down, sit down. She'll bring them in presently. Well... How are things progressing with you, Judge? Oh, much as usual. You take anything in your tea? Oh, no, clear, please. Oh, good, good. So do I. Ah. You know, I'm, I'm glad you stopped around today, John. I need someone to talk to. Well, I'm glad I'm here. Hmm. Do you know uh, Etchen up here? The elephant hunter? Yes. I know of him. I've never met him. He has the knack of staying in good health. Yes, well, the natives hate him. 
They come complaining to me. Uh With justification? Well, how do I know? Napier denies everything, of course. What's their complaint? Well, he pays them less for the elephant tusks than he's promised them. Or they say sometimes nothing at all. Small wonder they complain. Who's a come in, Jabba? I've been your pastry, sir. Scones, Jabba, scones. Set them down. Scones, yes, sir. Try one, John. Yes, I will, thank you. Uh, well, not exactly what you get back home, but... Mm, good. Yes, really good. You like Truly like Oh, yes, I, I do very much. Oh, strange. That will be all, Jabba. Yes, sir. I come back later. <laughs> Attractive girl. <laughs> well, it was her husband who came complaining to me about Etienne Napier. Uh, she speaks English. Well, she picked up a lot from me and from the local witch doctor. Oh, he speaks English too. Well, as well as you and I, or better. I had no idea. Hmm. Dr. Barola got his MD from a large London hospital. Really? Well, why on earth did he come back to this godforsaken place? Well, he wanted to do something about the appalling death rate. He got decorated for that by the king. You don't say. Well, I must try and get to know him. <laughs> You'll find him easy to talk to. I always do. Do you see him often? Yes, I dine with him. He with me. More than once. See, I tried to talk him out of his belief in uh, voodoo. He's very patient with me, but I I can't budge him an inch. You and I know it's not possible, but, uh, well, Marola's convinced it is. But, but what is possible? I to wish a man to death. I brooded on Judge Moody's words as I walked back to the little two-room shack that served me as both home and office. My first impulse was to seek out Dr. Barola, the African witch doctor who had been graduated from a London hospital. I confess I stood in some awe of the man. Was it because he was at the very least my equal in knowledge? Or was it because he had knowledge that was beyond my understanding? Knowledge that perhaps I feared. At any rate, when I reached my office, a patient was waiting for me. A new one. You are the doctor here. I'm Dr. John Best. I've been waiting an hour. Sorry. I was paying a short call on Judge Moody. Now, what can I do for you? I need something for a headache. And do not tell me take an aspirin. I've tried that. Let's get a few facts about you, your general condition. I am in perfect health. Hmm. Your name? Etienne Lepke. Oh, oh yes. Uh, you hunt elephants, don't you? Ah, you've heard of me, eh? Yes, from the judge. Ah, that one. Now, uh, uh, tell me about the headaches. Uh, do you have them often? I have never had a headache in my life until six days ago. I have never had an illness of any kind. I have no witnesses, no ailments. I am a completely healthy man in every way. Yes. But when did the headache start? It is not headaches. It is one long headache that never stops. Why didn't you come to me before? As I've told you, I am a completely healthy man. You are the first doctor I've ever consulted in my entire life. And I was amazed that I should be stricken with such a ridiculous thing as a pain headache. And I thought to ignore it till it should go away. You've endured it for six whole days? Yes. Except for one hour. And when was that? 
The native woman who comes to collect my laundry. She saw my suffering. They can be very perceptive, these savages. And uh, she offered to massage my throbbing head. I was desperate, and I permitted it. And in a minute or two, the headache disappeared, and I fell asleep. Ah, and when you woke? I was myself again. I called for my barrels and my trackers, and we started on the hunt. But not ten feet into the forest, the headache returned, worse than before. Worse, worse than it had ever been. I had to call off the hunt. And uh, that was when I decided I must have necessity come to see you. Now, if you will be so kind as to give me some remedy, I will be much obliged. I didn't like the man. People who demand instant cures for whatever ails them can be very irritating to a physician. I told Monsieur Etienne Napier that I would be glad to make as thorough an examination of his anatomy as my limited equipment permitted, but he was unwilling to allow me even to take his blood pressure. I could have given him a sugar pill or some other placebo and trust to luck that his headache would cease, but frankly, I so disliked him I was unwilling even to do that. I wanted nothing but to forget him. A few days later, I found time to visit the thatched house of a person I really wanted to meet. Dr. Barola, the medicine man. You are the white doctor, I believe. Dr. John Best. Is that not your name? Yes. And you're Dr. Barola. I am delighted, sir. Come in, come in. My humble abode is open to you. Thank you. Uh, Judge Moody has been telling me about you, how you went to medical school in London. Forty years ago, yes. Uh, but you chose to come back here. You chose to be a witch doctor. Oh, you're frowning. I, sir, am a doctor, pure and simple. Yes, but you do use somewhat, uh, somewhat unorthodox methods. When the occasion demands, yes. Dr. Barola, I'm going to ask you something straight out. Please, please do. Naturally, you needn't answer if you'd rather not. No, no, please ask. Um, is it true, is it possible, uh, using your unorthodox methods... Um, can you, can you kill a man at a distance? Of course. I mean, cause a man's death simply by wishing him dead? Certainly. Oh. Would you, uh, could you explain how it works, if it does? Oh, it does, it does. How is a more complicated matter? I... Not sure I understand it myself. Well, try, will you? I really want to understand if I can. I suppose it has it has some connection with hypnosis. But you can't hypnotize someone at a distance. Would you feel better if I called it mental suggestion? But what if the victim doesn't want to be hypnotized? Is suggestible. How can you affect his health, even his life, uh, at a distance? How can I explain to you something I do not fully comprehend myself? Do you like the phrase, psychic poison waves? Does that stir something in your brain? Psychic poison waves? Yes. Let us say a man can summon up in his own brain and body certain poisons. Poisons of hostility and hate. And 
transfer them across large distances to the brain and body of another. Don't expect me to believe that. Ah, to you it sounds like hocus pocus, humbug, charlatanism, trackery. Well, I... Dear Dr. Best, do not think I blame you. I have had the same feelings about voodooism, that it was mere flim-flam. There are still moments when I feel that way, except... Yes, except? Except that it works. I have seen it work. Dr. Verona. Oh, Jebba, come in, come in. <laughs> this is Dr. John Best from England. Uh, yes, I saw Jebba at Judge Moody's house. How are you, Jebba? Did you enjoy the scones, sir? Oh, yes, I did. I enjoyed them very much. They were very good. What do you have for me, Jebba? What do you ask for? They are in this little stock. Put it down there, on the table. Yes, sir. Is there anything else you require? No, me? not at the moment. If the need arises, I will let you know. Yes, sir. Send for me at any time. Um, Doctor, what are you doing? I thought you might like to see what Jebba brought me. I will empty the contents of the little sack, and you shall see. There. Go ahead and look. There's nothing to hurt you. But, but what is this? What does it appear to be? Locks of hair. That's what it looks like to me. You're right. <laughs> that is what it is. And these? Well, they look like things from someone's nails. Fingernails, perhaps, or toenails. Right again. They are both. I stared in disbelief. Surely this was indeed mere flim Hocus pocus. What Barola himself sometimes considered charlatanism. Except that... Was it he had said? It worked. He had seen it work. As so very often happens, when we are at a loss for words to explain the inexplicable, we must fall back upon that greatest of writers in English, William Shakespeare. Here, in our helplessness, we are forced to quote the words of Hamlet to his friends. There are more things in heaven and earth for Asia than are dreamt of in your philosophy. I shall be back shortly with Act Two. Before the believers in orthodox medicine sneer too openly at the ways of the witch doctor, let them reflect on this. While they extol the virtues of iron as a tonic and prescribe various pills, liquids, or injections, let them remember that for centuries Africans have been told by their medicine men to get from their local blacksmith a quart of his dipping water, the water in which he cools his iron work tools, and to drink it. It seems to work very well, as it always has. in it, then it must have substance of a sort, anyway. 
It was time for me to call upon Judge Moody. Well, he impressed you, did he? Our local practitioner, Dr. Barola. Yes, enormously. Well, he impresses me. Yes, I told you that. It's only when we get on to the subject of uh, voodooism that I start losing my temper. Not that he ever brings it up, he doesn't. But I can't resist teasing him about it. <laughs> well, sooner or later, I, I manage to get in a dig or two about his uh, superstitious mumbo-jumbo. He doesn't mind. No, 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 nothing least. Merely sits back and smiles at me as though I were a fretful child. He says he doesn't know how it works. Merely that it does work. Well, they think it works. You know the saying, if you believe you can, you can. Oh, there's no doubt that belief helps. Belief in yourself. But that doesn't mean that if I believe I can fly over the tops of trees, I won't drop to the earth like a stone if I try it. Barola says voodooism may work through some kind of hypnosis. I'd hate to be hypnotized into thinking I could fly, wouldn't you? Or perhaps mental suggestion, he says. That might work for weak-minded people. Not for me. I asked him particularly about death at a distance, where neither hypnosis nor mental suggestion would apply. What did he have to say about that? Why, he said that it was possible that poisons of hostility and hate could be churned up inside one mind and transmitted across distances to the mind of another who would then absorb the evil poisons and um, die of them. Oh, you believe that, Tommy Rock? Well, I didn't say I believed it. Well, I should certainly hope not. I'm only trying to repeat as best I can what Barola said. He wasn't at all dogmatic about it. He simply said that it was a possibility. He, he practices orthodox medicine, too, you know. He's very good at it. Uh, perhaps I should have sent Etienne Napier to him. Oh, you've met Napier? Yes. He came to see me about a headache said he'd had it steadily for nearly a week. I offered to give him a complete physical examination, but he wouldn't permit it. I have to tell you, I didn't like the man at all. Arrogant, self-satisfied. Well, I'm still trying to get evidence that he's been cheating the natives on the ivory business. But, of course, they have nothing in writing. I'll wager the man's guilty. Oh? <laughs> Prove it. Oh, I can't. And it's extremely arrogant of me to say such a thing. It's very prejudiced. But he was so conceited, so smug. Well, I told you I didn't like him. Actually, I, I hated him. Isn't that ridiculous? I only saw him for ten minutes or so, and I really hated him. Poisons of hostility churning within your mind? <laughs> well, you could say that. Poisons that could be transmitted across a distance? Oh, well, now... Poisons. Poisons that could kill him. Oh, come, Judge, you're teasing me. Actually, I had nothing against the man. Yes, except that you hate him. I should make allowances. A man who's had a headache steadily for six days, bound to make him edgy. Well, it didn't make me edgy. Actually, he did have relief for an hour or so. Oh? And how did that come about? Well, it seems his laundress, a, a native woman, noticed his suffering and offered to massage his head for him. He submitted to that. Then the massage worked. And he says the headache went away in a minute or two and he fell asleep. He woke up feeling quite well and decided to go hunting for elephants. But a short distance into the forest, the headache came back, worse than ever. Now that is when he decided to consult me. Not that it did him any good. He wanted some sort of magic pill that would work instantly. I don't have any such pill, nor does anyone else. Well, it's what we all prefer, isn't it? A magic pill that gives us happiness, enlightenment, and peace of mind, all at once. Well, I don't have any such pill either, but 
I could offer you a spot of tea. Jebba. Jebba, are you there? Oh, by the way, did I tell you that I saw Jebba again after I met her here? No, no, you didn't. Yes. Uh, Jebba. Uh, she was at Dr. Barola's. She came in with something for him. It was a little sack made of antelope skin or something very like. Dr. Barola thanked her and she left. And then the doctor asked me would I like to see what was in the sack. Naturally, I said yes. And he poured the contents out on the table. You'll never guess what they were. Well, what were they? They were nail parings. Nail parings? Yes. They looked to have been cut from both fingers and toes. How very odd. No, wait. That's not all. There were snippets of hair. Human hair? They looked to be. What color? I beg your pardon? What color was the hair? Well, it, it was brown, a light brown. Not a dark brown. Almost black. No, no. Just a nondescript light brown. <sighs> then it couldn't have been my hair. My hair is very dark. It never entered my head that it might be your hair. But on the other hand, your hair is light. A sort of nondescript light brown, isn't it? I didn't stay for tea. I improvised some excuse and left. Was it possible that Judge Moody, that stern realist, that uncompromising champion of approvable, with his legalistic mind infected with a sneaking belief in voodoo and a fear of it as well? I went home and was reading my Materia Medica well into the night when suddenly a scream, a loud, anguished scream. Why did I know at once that it was Etienne Napier's I ran from my house to his and found him just outside it, wild-eyed and frantic. We're in there! All of them! Napier! They hate me! They want to kill me! Napier! It's Dr. The Beth. forest is full of them! Look at me, man! They're, they're after me! They won't leave me alone till they kill me! Don't you recognize me? Don't you know me? One of them touched me! Now let me take you into the house. Now and come now! The others were all around me! That's they it. were all around me! Hundreds! Hundreds of them! Let's go inside Come now. Come on, back of me. Some are hiding behind trees. See what what is. Here we are now. The biggest one of all. He touched me. Where? Where did he touch you? I'm gone. All right, now just lie down on the couch and let me have a look. The forest was full of them. They didn't make a sound. Just walked beside me. In front of me and back of me. And when I moved... They moved. When I stopped, they stopped. I couldn't see their little eyes. There's no mark on either ankle. But I could feel it wrapped around my ankle. I felt it. Why would anyone want to do that? Or what would be the point? To trip me up. To bring me to earth. Then they would all trample on me. They would crush me. Who? Who would want to do that? The elephants. The elephants. The elephants. I sat with the poor demented man. He raved for a time about the elephants. How their tusks had shone in the moonlight. How they followed him without a sound. At last he was quiet. More from exhaustion than anything else. And I left. By now the sun was up. And I couldn't think of going back to my own empty house. So I went to the one place where I might be welcome. Come in, dear Dr. Best. Do come in. Oh, thank you, Dr. Barola. I know it's an early hour to be calling. Please, 
No excuses. I'm so happy to see you. Uh, do, do sit down. Oh, thank you. You look quite exhausted. Yes, I am. I am. I, I've been with Etienne Napier. Eh? Huh? And how is Monsieur Napier? Well, didn't you hear him scream? Scream? When was that? In the middle of the night. A terrible, excruciating scream. You didn't hear it? My dear Dr. Best, here on the edge of the jungle, there are many terrifying sounds in the middle of the night. One learns to sleep through them. But I heard it. Uh, and? I, I knew at once, at least I sensed it, that it was Napier. I, I ran to his house, and there he was, just outside at the edge of the clearing, raving, hysterical. Dear, dear, dear. What about? Well, he'd, he'd gone for a walk in the forest. Why, at that time of night, I've no idea. And there in the forest, there they were, he said, all round him, in back and front, beside him, some hiding behind trees, their eyes shining, waiting for him to fall down so that they might trample him to death. Surely you didn't think that anyone around here, uh, any of us... Well, I confess to you at first, I... I did think so. I thought that his alleged shady dealings with your people, um, well, I thought that they were taking their revenge. Oh, yeah, you know, they would never do that. It, it seems he was talking about, about elephants. Uh? He even said that one big bull elephant reached out and wrapped its trunk round his ankle. Jeremy. I, I examined his ankle, both of them. And this was before I knew he was talking about elephants. And of course there was no mark on either. No. Did you think there would be? One never knows. You think there actually were elephants in the forest? Watching? Following him? Hundreds of them? Elephant? Ghosts? Perhaps. Oh, Dr. Barola, really? You go too far. Perhaps I do. Perhaps I do. On the other hand, perhaps I do not go far enough. Perhaps elephants were real. Oh, come now. Monsieur Napier has killed many of their kind. I knew a uh, farmer here who shot an elephant that was stealing vegetables from his garden. He left the dead animal lying there, and in the morning, the body was gone. Are you saying... And the elephant's friends came in the night and carried the body away? Yes. I am saying that. There is loyalty and humanity among elephants. All the same. Wait, wait, wait. You have not heard it all. A few days later, two thigh bones of an elephant were found by the farmer on the exact spot where the beast had fallen. Reproach? A reminder? A warning? Who can say? Not I, certainly. Can you? Dr. Parola? May I come in? Come in, Jeva. Come in. Thank you, sir. He brought for you what you asked. The shirt? Yes, the shirt. Hand it over. Now, uh, will you both excuse me for a minute? I have something that must be attended to. Oh, uh, Jeva, that shirt belongs to Monsieur Napier, doesn't it? Yes, the doctor. Uh, Jeva... Uh, Monsieur Napier told me that a, a woman of the tribe did some work for him, some laundry. He said this woman had remarkable powers, that she could massage him and make his headache go away. And that the only relief he'd had in six days came from this woman. Gemma, 
Are you that woman? You are, aren't you? Never mind, I know you are. And you went to his house this evening, too, didn't you? And he asked you to relieve his headache again, didn't he? And you did. And after you left, he went into the forest. Now tell me, Jabba, when you were massaging him, did you suggest to him that the elephants were waiting for him there? Did you hypnotize him? Did you put a spell on him? You must have done something before you left the house with his shirt, the one you just gave to Dr. Barola. Am I right, Jabba? Uh, forgive my rudeness, won't you? It was very important that I, uh... Ah. Those are tom-toms, aren't they? The native drums, yes. They are talking together. Speaking in concert. Speaking with one voice. It should not be too long now. I sat in stunned silence as the jungle drums pounded in my ears. Dr. Barola and Jebba talked quietly to each other about what I did not know nor did I want to know. After a while, I muttered something about getting home in time for morning office hours and stumbled out. Once outside, the drums sounded louder and more menacing. Does it appear simply silly? Consider us silly. <laughs> Happily, we won't be around to hear them say it. I'll be back shortly with Act Three. agree, I suppose, that voodooism belongs to the world of the supernatural. But what precisely do we mean by supernatural? We mean beyond the laws of nature, do we not? But do we know what all the laws of nature are? Can we even comprehend the true essence of the laws we do know? Perhaps, like Barola, we only know that they work. But why they work remains a mystery. Tom-toms sounded all day. Their monotonous beat at first disturbed me and then lulled me into some sort of restless sleep. I was wakened by a native messenger who came to tell me that Judge Moody wished to see me. Of course, I hastened to comply. The judge was waiting for me outside his house. John, Napier's here. Oh, how is he? He's very agitated, very angry. He's come to me with some wild story about seeing elephants in the forest. Yes, I know. In the dead of night, for heaven's sake. I know, I know. Is the man losing his mind, do you think? This is possible. And I was hoping you could, well, you know, give him something to calm him down. I brought my bag with me. Then for goodness sakes, give him something. He's unmanageable. If he'll let me. Drums are getting on his nerves. I don't wonder. Well, they can be disturbing, I must admit. But they 
don't mean anything. I hope not. Just the natives letting off steam. Oh, look. I should tell you, I've asked Dr. Barola to stop by, too. Not that I don't trust you completely. I just thought he might be able to contribute something. I think you were very wise to call him in. Moody! Judge! Come in here! Uh, yeah, coming right away, Monsieur Napier. Uh, can say no. Someone has got to do something. Someone is going to do something. Here, here. You see? Now, here's Dr. Best. He's going to give you a sedative. Calm you down. Make you feel I don't want him to give me something. I want those drums to stop. Can he do that? Can he stop the drums? I'm afraid he has no authority to do that. Well, you do. You have the authority. You are a judge. You are the head magistrate in these parts. You can stop them. My authority is strictly limited. If the people want to beat on their drums, I can't stop them. You must understand, Napier. It's their way of communicating with one another. It's, well, it's like free speech, you might say. The, the right to speak out. What are they communicating? Why don't they speak out? The way civilized people do in a recognizable language. Napier, Dr. Barola will be here shortly. No, that faker, that charlatan. No, no, no. Dr. Barola is a very cultured and distinguished gentleman, and he is wiser than any of us in the ways of Africa. I think he's coming now. Uh, oh, yes, yes, there he is. Uh, Dr. Barola, how good of you. Not at all, my dear Judge Moody. How can I help? You can't get those infernal savages to stop beating on the drums. That's what you can do. My dear sir, what makes you think I could accomplish any such thing? You can't do it. You understand this, people? Tell them to stop. To stop this instant. Monsieur Napier is unduly upset because of an incident which took place last night in the forest. The elephants. The forest was filled with elephants. You see, it's quite hopeless. managed to administer a sedative to Napier with the assistance of Judge Moody, for the enraged man would not cooperate to the slightest degree. When we asked Dr. Barola to help us, he declined politely and left. A short while later, when Napier had quieted down a bit, I took my leave. But instead of going home, I instinctively sought out Dr. Barola. My dear Dr. Best, how is your patient? I suppose you mean Etienne Napier. Well, the judge and I managed to give him a sedative. He's resting now in the judge's library. Poor man. He has my sympathy. Why did you refuse to help us with him? Dear doctor, did you expect me to stop the drum? No, no, no. You know what I mean. When I wanted to give Napier a sedative, and he was being difficult, to say the least, about it, why did you walk away? You, a doctor, a certified doctor... Why did you walk away? I did not choose to assist. You saw the condition the man was in? I did not choose to assist. Why not? It was your duty. The man was suffering. I did not wish to touch him. Well, why not, for the love of heaven? Such a little thing to ask. Not to me. You don't even know him. So far as I know, today was the first time you've ever seen him. True. Well, then why? To me, the man... Is a devil. A devil? Dr. Barola, you're not going to preach voodooism at me again, are you? Have I ever preached to you about voodoo or anything else? No, but come with me. Just into the back room. I want to show you something. 
something I think will interest you. As a matter of fact, I think it will interest you greatly. There. Look. What, what is it? What does it appear to be? Why, it's nothing but a doll. A big doll. Quite so. A doll. The size of a man. Quite so. It, it's quite complete. With feet and hands. Quite so. And, and, and fingernails. Good Lord, Barora. A doll has fingernails and toenails. Just so. What, what is that he's wearing? I mean, what is the doll wearing? It, it's a shirt. A shirt like Napier's. It is Napier's shirt, isn't it? Jebba brought it to you, didn't she? I know she did. I was here. Oh, wait. Listen. What is it, Doctor? The drums have stopped. So they have. What does it mean? Why have they stopped? Their conversation has come to an end. But why? What were they saying? Tell me, what were they saying? Dr. Barola, sir, if you please. Yes, Jebba. What is it? Did Judge say to tell you? Man is dead. You mean, Monsieur Napier? Yes. He be dead. Just now. He be dead. surprised me that I was called in by Judge Moody that same day. Needless to say, I responded to the summons immediately. When I arrived, I found not only the judge, but standing straight, tall, and quiet in one corner of the room, Dr. Barola. The man died right here in my library, gentlemen. Well, what do you want of us, Judge? I want your advice on how to proceed. I want to find out if I can who killed him. I'm going to order an autopsy performed. The man was in good health, I understand. He said this, except for the headache. Uh, Judge Moody, I will perform an autopsy if you want me to. Yes, I do want you to. But I would like another opinion. You don't mean Barola here, do you? Yes, if he will. No, I will not. Well, it's not that you are under suspicion, Barola. Uh, yes, it is. Therefore... I insist on not just a second opinion, but a third and a fourth. There is a Dr. Messinger from Lobengula. Well, we'll have as many doctors as you like. I thank you, Your Honor. For I'll be frank with you, Barola. Please do. I think your people manage this somehow. Some poison or other slipped into his veins. Uh, I've heard of such things. Uh, one of you people have been known to... Take a piece of bread, a roll, say. Prick it at one end with his fingernail. Offer that end to the enemy and eat the rest of the roll himself. But under that fingernail was concealed a small amount of deadly poison. Now, you people know about poisons, I'm sure you do. Poisons we haven't discovered yet. We people have no knowledge of a poison that cannot be detected. Any more than you people have. We'll have all the doctors in. The ones you mentioned. And more if we need them. 
Judge Moody was as good as his word. Doctors from all over, even one from London, were brought in to examine the corpse. Their findings were the same as mine. There was no trace of poison to be found. No wound, no puncture, nothing. Napier's heart had simply ceased to beat. Though I'll believe to the end of my days that Barola did him in with that, that, that voodoo business. Why, Judge, I thought you considered voodoo sheer nonsense. Tommy Rot, quackery. Well, still in all, don't you think it's odd that the tom-tom stopped beating the moment Napier breathed his last? Very odd indeed. But the drums don't kill a man, do they, huh? Not that I'd ever heard. And that big doll Barola had in his office, wearing Napier's shirt. Peculiar thing to have standing around, don't you think? Most peculiar. But dolls can't kill people. Most unlikely. Stupid doll even had fingernails and toenails. Did you know that? But fingernails and toenails, <laughs> they don't kill people, do they? Or shirts. No, Judge, they don't. So how could I take the thing to court, huh? Tell some wild tale about voodoo killing, which I don't even understand myself, don't even believe. Well... I did bring one person into court. Who is that? Jebba. Jebba? Why Jebba? She stole Napier's shirt, didn't she? Yes, that she did. She was his laundress, and he trusted her with his clothes, and she stole his shirt. She admitted it. What sort of punishment did you deal out to her? I find her. Took it out of her pay. Jebba! Jebba, make some tea for Dr. Best and myself, will you? She is still working for you? Oh, I couldn't get along without Jebba. Matter of fact, I've raised her wages. Jebba, bring some tea, will you, for me and my friend. As I said at the start, I'm an old man now, and many things have changed. I suppose the greatest change of all is in our attitude toward the power of the mind over the body. I've tried to keep up with all the developments, and there's no doubt that it's a great new field of endeavor. I'm too far along in years to start delving into such things, but I've read a lot on the subject, all very interesting, very intriguing. But one thing they haven't even started to explain. Death at a distance. Someone like me is competent to explain death at a distance. You are very much mistaken. I wouldn't even try. I don't understand it at all. If you want the truth, I don't even believe it's possible. I think it's Tommy Rot. Humbug. But then, what do I know? I shall be back shortly. To Larry, another reader, or is it victim of Ravenhouse Mysteries? I was at the bus stop reading the latest Ravenhouse paperback when a lady walked by. She seemed familiar, like I knew her from somewhere. I followed her. She started to run, and I lost her in the crowd. The next day, I saw her again in the supermarket. Our eyes met over the lettuce. I said, Sarah, you're supposed to be dead! <laughs> Ravenhouse mysteries are so engrossing, you can't help but let the mystery take over your life. 
<laughs> it was a little embarrassing. I, I had her confused with the character in my Raven House mystery. Raven House publishes new mysteries every month. Which one will claim you as its victim? If you're clever enough, you'll find Raven House mysteries wherever paperbacks are sold. <laughs> originated in Africa, it spread after a while to the West Indies. It is popularly regarded as a kind of sorcery of magic. But it has its roots in a deeply felt religion, and its adherents are as fervent and devoted as, well, as we are to whatever religion we cling to. So let us judge not, lest we ourselves be judged. Our cast included Norman Rose, Bernard Grant, and Earl Hammond. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. Radio Mystery Theater was sponsored in part by Raven House Paperback Mysteries. This is Tommy Grimes, inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams.